0: Hello and welcome to The Best is Net to Come. My name is Josh and I am joined as always by Michael Rubenstein and Richard Chuba. Today we're going to be talking about the Nets' last two games. They played on Monday night in Sacramento, won a game against them pretty handily, and they won a game on Tuesday night, one of the craziest Nets games in recent memory. It's funny because I was thinking on Monday about that crazy win two years ago against the Kings. And then literally a day later, they might be had their next craziest win with a 20-plus point comeback against the Suns. First going to go over the Kings game. It was a solid win. Kyrie went off. He had nine threes. The team went up over 20 for a majority of the second half. Hassan Whiteside did own DeAndre Jordan, but thankfully it was not enough. It was a win the Nets usually don't get against the worst team. You know, we talked last week about how they usually lose to worse teams, like teams below 500. They ended up beating a team below 500, so that was nice. Um, they usually lose to these kinds of teams with a lot of energy. But then the next night, the Nets had to fly to Phoenix. Like, I guess as soon as the game was over, or maybe the next morning, they flew to Phoenix and played the Suns, who were red hot. They were on a winning streak. I think it was six- or seven-game winning streak. And they got Devin Booker. They got Chris Paul. They got DeAndre Ayton. They got guys who are playing their best basketball and they beat them. But before we get to that, Mike, what was there something in that Kings game that you saw that you liked, or maybe it was Kyrie's performance that you liked? Yeah, I'm
1: going to just talk about Kyrie. Uh, Cause I think we ended our last pod with obviously forecasting what we expected in that Kings game. And I did mention, I think Kyrie's going to play well. I just don't think it'll be enough. Cause I think him and Harden will get about 60 and the other guys won't do their part. Well, Kyrie did a little bit more than good. He was fantastic. Uh, nine for 11 from three. Uh, you're not going to lose many games when your leading scorer does that. It's just unbelievable. Nine for 11. You never see that. Harden also had a great game. He was six for 10 from three. Uh, triple-double with uh, 29, 14, and 13. So he was great. And then the bench did their part. Uh, TLC hit 3-3. Three, three. Uh, Tyler Johnson hit two threes. Um, where's Shamit? Oh, Shamit, Yeah, he hit three threes also. So everyone stepped up and it was enough because, yeah, DeAndre Jordan definitely got owned. And I was worried in the first half because I think the Kings kept it close for a while. And then the second half was when the Nets really finally pulled away. So it was good to see maybe they're starting to break this, uh, like curse of underplaying against bad teams.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the Kings are not ultimately, like, the worst team. They're not bad. They're just they – should. they they're a team that the Nets should beat, and they actually beat them, which was great. It's good to see them do that. And, you know, this shooting guard, point guard thing, it works. I'm really, really excited for the Nets it, um, in this, like, shooting guard format uh, with Kyrie playing the two the entire game pretty much. Love the way they're doing it. And in terms of scoring, it's great for Kyrie, and it's great for the team.
1: Yeah, so wait, this was the first game that happened since that whole conversation went down, that point guard, shooting guard thing, Mm -hmm. right?
0: I felt like
1: Ian Eagle and Richard Jefferson on the broadcast were like being a little tongue-in-cheek with it, and I I enjoyed that, because it is a ridiculous, like, it should not be a storyline. We've watched enough Nets games to know that was just natural. Anyone who watches basketball can tell Harden brings the ball up and he runs the offense. Yeah. So like for me, the whole thing definitely got blown out of proportion, and I'm glad it looked good in the first game after that conversation, but it's not like that was new. Like that's what they had been doing. And I finally just came out and said it. So I'm I'm glad he went out and had the game he had. I'm glad Harden played well. It it was a good look for the Nets, but I did enjoy Richard Jefferson is just a natural troll. So I think he uh, definitely went on the air with this point of like, I'm going to make fun of all these writers who are making this a story because it's not a story.
2: Yeah, Richard Jefferson has quickly become, like, a superstar NBA media personality. He is incredible as a color commentator for the Nets and also the work he does for ESPN. But, like, you're right. Like, he's brought up, he's like, I don't know why this is a story. <laughs> he's yeah. like, we, we've we seen this. Like, we know this. We're not stupid. He's like, yeah. is dribbling the ball up the court. Kyrie is, like, playing off the ball. Like, that's how, like, it's been working since... James Harden got there, and he did the same thing, I don't know if you saw it, like, I brought it up, though, um, about the assist record for James Harden, like, we recorded that prior to him bringing it up, but I think we released our podcast after he brought it up on the broadcast, so it made us look a little dumb there, but he was like, whoa, 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 I got a big problem here with this whole uh, assist record we're talking about here, (laughs) like, all of a sudden, like, the New Jersey Nets weren't, like, a franchise and all this other stuff, so... That was that was pretty funny, but RJ is is hilarious and and he's really just incredible at what he does. I think the Knicks and Nets have far and away the top two TV broadcasts in the league.
0: Well, yeah, Iron Eagle is like beloved, and also you got you know Sarah Kustak, who's great. Ryan Rucco is pretty great, um, and yeah, Jefferson is like a new young gun a former player who is the funniest former player out of all of them by far. Mm -hmm. Like he has the wittiest commentary out of any former basketball player out there. Uh, I like him a lot. uh, And I hope that he does national games more often because he's, he's great. Um, But Rick, we're going to now kind of go over to that Nets game against the Suns. And I know that you're going to have a lot to say about this. I'm quickly going to uh, mention that Nets fans, myself included, Probably watched the first half of the game on Tuesday against the Suns. Saw the Nets losing by 20 at half. Saw that they gave up over 70 points to the Suns. And looked at the time and said, yep, I see where this is going. It's past midnight. It's time to go to sleep. We all collectively put our sage away. (laughs) We stashed away our walking sticks and called it a night. Then a miracle happened. Rick, you were the only one of the three of us who was actively following this win play out. Yeah. So walk us through the immense effort, the Nets, James Harden and the role players put in to secure a triumphant win over an overall, I would say more skilled team that night in the Phoenix Suns.
2: Yeah. So I just, for the sake of patting myself on the back here, I'm just going to give myself all the credit for the Nets win in this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because as much as i'd like to say that i am a diehard nets fan who was just wanting to watch win or lose every second of nets basketball that i can this season i was honestly just too lazy to put the sage away <laughs> and i was too lazy to to change the channel and you know debate whether or not the earth was flat i was just like you know what let's just eh, let's leave it on like let's let's see how much they lose by i don't know cuz Honestly, there's been so many awful games this year that sometimes I just look for the fuel to get me more pissed off (laughs) at these games. I'm just like, what can I get angry about next time? I kind of hate watch a lot of these games sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching, I'm on my phone, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, you name it. And like, I'm glancing up and down at the score and it's like about like 20 points, 17 points, 18 points, it's going up and down. And then they go on like this little bit of a run. It's like, Shamit for three, good. Tyler Johnson for three, good. Joe Harris for three, good. I'm like, wait, holy God, I gotta. Maybe I should watch this. And like, it gets down to like, it gets down like twelve or something. I'm like, oh, I mean, you know,
0: they probably. I, I, believe, won't it, be. I believe it was 188 at, at the end of the third quarter. They were still down by 12 going into the fourth. Yeah. So, and I'm like, they're probably
2: still gonna lose. Like, Phoenix is probably the better team tonight. Uh. 12 is still a pretty sizable, you know, deficit without KD and Kyrie. And then uh, for those of you who didn't watch, Joe Harris started off the fourth quarter really hot. He had a couple good defensive plays, a putback, some threes. Um, So he really kind of jumpstarted that run in the beginning of the fourth quarter. And in the start of that fourth quarter, James Harden did not play. So it was all the backups who we collectively as a group have all just bashed, like, the entire season because they just never shown up. And I guess because there was n- none of the big three in the game, they kind of had no choice but to, like, show up or completely embarrass themselves. And everyone was just on their A-game. Like, we-, we joke with shit, damn it, sham it, And we're just <laughs> like, this- we can't believe this guy's on the team. And he's hitting shots. He's playing defense. Tyler Johnson, who like up until like recently has like barely played, I think he had 17 points like in the game. Let me check that real quick. Uh, yeah, he had five
1: threes.
2: 17 points, five of eight. Five from threes. Wow. Um, Uncle Jeff rolling back the clock, 18 points. Shamit with 13, three of six from three. Um, they were all plus minus plus-minus they're in they're all plus in their plus minus category and they're just playing great as units. So Steve Nash in might be his best coaching decision of the year It's just like it's working let's just keep rolling with it so like the the backups I think got them within maybe like four or something give or take and then this is it's about seven minutes left in the game and then James Harden comes in and like we got we got ourselves a game now Jimbo's in the game it's like a single digits and there was a there was a brief spurt with a couple minutes left where Chris Paul was just doing like you guys know he'll he'll get to that elbow elbow jumper and just money every time just dribble dribble elbow jumper cash every time and he's hitting threes too he had a couple, he had like three or four threes in the fourth quarter and I'm like god damn it this was this would have been so fun to make this comeback and uh, they just they never went away every time. Chris Paul or anyone on the Suns hit a, hit a three or hit a shot, the Nets just answered right back, and they just had this never-say-die attitude this game, which is not something that we've seen from this team this year. And then there was a, um, a phantom foul call. I don't remember. I think it was on James Harden. They called him for a foul. Wasn't a foul. Ended up going into a jump ball. Nets get the ball and, like, hit a shot. I think they hit, like, a three or whatever. And uh, so they ended up. Eventually taking the lead on the three ball from James Harden that we've all seen on either Bleacher Report uh, or Facebook uh, or Instagram, and like I went nuts when he hit that. I'm like, oh my god, bro. <laughs> it I, was I so far sage. away, it was we, really. I had really the sage, far. man. i was like, what? you know how they have like the rally towels at like the World yeah. Series, and like, woo, dude, that was me with the sage Clicking last night.
0: Walking sticks
2: together. Oh, dude, yeah, man, I mashed my 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 globe that I have in my room. <laughs> So that it was flat because like I, now I I believe it <laughs> and, and I was like yeah I had the sage bro I had my walking stick too I was like dude I was dancing it was I was going nuts I'm like yo bro they fucking got it so I think it's like the second to last possession for the Suns Devin Booker has the ball and of all people it's shit damn it Shamit guarding. <laughs> Devin Booker. And Devin Booker is, like, if you see the replay, he's, like, he's really going at him. He's, like, throwing his shoulder in there. He's, like, trying to body the shit out of him. And Shamit is just not backing down. He's, like, playing defense, like, for his life on this, like, play. This is, like, the the damn game seven of the finals for him at this point. And he stood tall, put the hands up, didn't leave his feet, really just got in his face. Booker missed a shot. And, uh... Nets came away with the victory, and I was like, I was pumped, man. I'm like jumping around my room, like, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, the, the, the beard is weird, baby. Let's let's get it. So yeah, i I like prior to this season, I fucking hated James Harden. I'm like the biggest fucking James Harden <laughs> right now. Oh, he's so cool, dude. He's like assists, he's a he's he's damn John Cockton with the ball with all these assists. Didn't he lead the league in assists now? Or, or at yeah, least he, he joined the Nets? Yeah. That's unreal. Dude, he's averaging like what, 23, 8, and like 11, give or take. Bro, this, this is that's unreal. I was like, I was, I couldn't believe it. Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamit, Uncle Jeff, who's actually been really good all year, but the bench, like they, the bench, just, I don't know, man, they snipped the sage or something, and it was, yeah. it was incredible win.
0: It was awesome, especially watching in those last moments, like, seeing KD and Kyrie, like, rooting for them too on the side and getting so pumped and, like, dancing a little bit. That makes me so happy to see those guys so invested in these scrubs. And, like, it's so great to, like, (laughs) to know that KD and Kyrie aren't there, like, I mean, maybe in their heads they're thinking one thing, but at least they're acting like they're, these guys are all part of this team and we're all in this together and, Man, I'm really pissed. I didn't stay up and watch that game. Mike, I bet you feel the same way.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm pissed I didn't watch it. But at the same time, I would have been so hyped, like Rick was just describing. I would have been up till two or three a.m. And as a responsible (laughs) adult who is a teacher, I had to wake up and like do a job. So I'm glad I didn't. I woke up to 20 texts, and I was like, Are we just like talking about TLC and how horrible TLC is for 20 texts? Like, what's going on? Like, oh my God, they won. (laughs) No way. So, yeah, it was pretty yeah. crazy. And uh, I know we all were thinking the same thing when we saw the highlight of Durant shoving Kyrie And excitement. We're all like, Yo, he's got a lower back strain. Why are, you, why are you shoving him like that? But it was it was good to see them that excited. You're right. Like The team like feels kind of like that 2018 Nets team with the general enthusiasm for each other, which is really cool. Because, yeah, when you see Shaman miss three after three for five games in a row, you, you've oh, got to be like – Get this guy out of here. He's like, and where's he Sadiq
2: Bay? <laughs> yeah.
1: And then he goes in and locks up, you know, Devin Booker to, to seal the game. That's incredible. Obviously, Devin Booker missed the shot, which is going to happen from time to time. But Shamit played amazing defense. And yeah. Joe Harris played really good defense. I think a couple of possessions before that I saw a highlight of. Yeah, so, yeah. He had some good hustle. Yeah. Just amazing team win. I wish I had watched it. But at the same time, uh, in the immediate short term, I- I'm happy I got sleep at the same time.
0: Yeah, I understood. I, I after I found out what happened though, I actually also didn't like go to sleep till like three thirty in the morning. I was like just scrolling on Twitter, reading everyone's <laughs> hype tweets. It was awesome. Now KD uh did not play like we mentioned and he's also not playing tonight against the Lakers. This is recording where it's about nine oh five PM Eastern right now. Game starting in an hour in LA. We are not going to see KD tonight. We are going to see Kyrie, so I guess his back is okay. He just had that one day of rest, and he's back at it. Um, like Nash said post-game, this team is all vibes right now. All vibes, yeah. They, scary they hours. Are, they are all vibes. It is scary hours. And Mike, I know you've been the consistent voice of reason on this show, and I know you also want to – we're going to get into the, the points per game, modern era thing, but I'd like to hear what your thoughts are about like momentum. I know momentum is – there is no statistic for momentum. I mean, maybe there is, but it's very subjective. After these two wins, the the, the win against the Kings and the win against the Suns, and the way that they won against the Suns, how do you see the rest of this road trip going at least? Like, don't you see – I'm really confident in the way they're going to play. These next two games are against the Lakers and Clippers, two of the best teams in the league. What do you think momentum is going to do for this team right now?
1: I think the momentum's going to be huge. I, I don't know how this Laker game's going to turn out. If LeBron decides this is a statement game for him because it's against Kyrie, I know Durant's not there. Durant would have added even more to that. But I could see LeBron coming out today and having like one of those classic breakout where he's over the top f- like 45, 12, and 10 kind of games. Like I could see that happening tonight if he really, really wants to. We all know he's capable of that. So maybe momentum's not on their side tonight. Maybe LeBron just doesn't do that, and Harden decides to get the 30-point triple-double. It can go either way, in my opinion, on that. But I think the rest of the road trip, I know the Clippers are kind of banged up. I think they might be coasting a little bit right now. And then the rest of the road trip, I do expect the Nets to play really well, which is saying something, because two days ago, before the Kings game, uh, or three days ago, I guess, uh, I was not feeling that confident. I did say the last time Rick asked me, I still expect this team to be in the finals, so I will stick to that. But in the short term of this week, I had not been super confident in their performance. And honestly, I expected to see what we saw in the first half of the Suns game. I think the second half of the Suns game was just an anomaly that now is going to become a, a wave. It's, it's weird to like think of that. But basically, a spark has become a fire in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I hope it keeps on blazing.
0: <laughs> my, my, keep on blazing it's a very eloquent
2: engineer. way of putting it yeah. but uh, I do I do agree with you because like that second half was kind of like an anomaly and now the spark will hopefully turn into a flame that keeps on blazing <laughs> but um, no I do I think a big part of not only just the win though is that camaraderie like you said there, there is that small like taste of like what was it like 2017, 2018 Nets or whatever the year was oh yeah and uh, yeah, the 2018, 2019, like it's it's we saw it, like it was a glimpse of it on on the sidelines, and I think that's cool. I think that's a big deal. I think when you have three huge talents and personalities on on one team, and then you have like the role players like really contribute in a way like that, um, I think that brings everyone really together. So I'm expecting some big things going forward. Um, that is a huge win. I think if they can win tonight against the Lakers, then that's that's another serious win to keep building and building upon. Um, I think we all can agree, though, that LeBron is going to keep the game close until the last minute so that he can get the highlight at the <laughs> yeah. End.
0: Yes. yeah. I am not really going to be expecting anything until the game is over when it comes to the Lakers. Like, LeBron can literally wait till there's 30 seconds left and find a way to win, or at least push a game to overtime and then win. So, yeah. they. If they get any sort of a lead, they have to put the clamps on like they did against the Suns and really like play super good defense, which is going to be tough. It's going to be really tough tonight. I and, will be um, absolutely shocked if Montrez Harrell doesn't have at least 20 to 25 points.
2: Oh, yeah. He's going to bully DeAndre Jordan and whoever the hell is underneath. It helps that Anthony Davis isn't there, but somebody is going to eat. Um, yeah. There's no Dennis Schroeder. I just got that alert not too long ago, so that will oh, also great. help. No Dennis Schroeder, no Anthony Davis. Um, also got an alert that there is no timetable for Kevin Durant's return. So maybe I should have took that little mellow ball trade, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> but, um, wow,
0: no timetable, really? They think it's that bad? Like, he might not come uh, back until on Sunday? I'll read,
2: I'll read the alert for you and all of our loyal listeners. Steve Nash says the Nets training staff is looking for, quote, improved strength from Kevin Durant before returning to the court. No timetable for KD's return. So, the beard is going to get super weird then. Uh, uh, Extra sage, extra beard oil. Let's freaking get shit popping. Shit damn it, shamm Tyler Johnson, Uncle Jeff, turn the clock back again and again. (laughs) And let's do it. Let's keep winning.
0: Yeah, so uh, really quickly just going to say, because it's kind of coming off what we just said. Um, the team will either be 11 or uh, 18 and 13 or 19 and 12 when you're listening to this podcast, because obviously we're recording before the Lakers game. And after that, there will be six more games before the all-star break. I personally am feeling pretty good with where they are in the standings. Even if they trade, like they go, um, 500 over the rest of the next six games. If they go into the all-star break 22 and 15 or whatever, uh, I, that's, that's a pretty good place for me. I don't think that I, I'm actually thinking that's a little over expectations in a way.
2: Yeah, I think right now, as it stands, if the uh, season ended today and they started the postseason, they would go up against Toronto. Um, have they played Toronto this year?
1: Yeah, they lost. Yeah, they that lost. game. Where, I was where gonna say rank, I was I was gonna say up they for COVID though, so that was like a asterisk loss. Yeah,
2: I don't think they really match up with Toronto that well. I think they'd beat them, but that's I don't think that's a great matchup for. The Nets because of Bobby Boucher and Fred VanVleet is also like kind of a goat right now.
1: I'd rather avoid a first round matchup against a championship DNA type team if we can. Like, yeah, you just never know with the Raptors or like even the yeah. Heat, like getting to the finals. Like, I don't want to face a team that has had recent success. Can't we just get like yeah the the Hornets?
2: Dude, the Pacers. Hornets are eight. The the Knicks are six, and sandwiched in between them is the seven seed Toronto Raptors. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> but um, but like you said, I think they've they've exceeded expectations, believe it or not. At least in the standings, I don't know if they've exceeded expectations in terms of their record. I think.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the record seems about right. Um, you know, if they were in the West, like we mentioned uh, on Monday, if they were in the West, they'd be like one of the lower uh, playoff teams right they now would be
2: because would how good sixth seed the- at the moment in the West.
1: They're climbing. Uh-huh. I do have a cool little stat uh, about the West, though, for the Nets. I, I saw it. from uh, Chris Bouchard today. I don't remember the exact number, but the Nets have the best record for Eastern team against the Western Conference, which is really cool. They're, I think it's either. I think it might be ten and one or ten and three. I can't remember if ten and three was the next best East team. I want to say he, the Nets are ten and one against the West right now.
2: Even ten and three is like
1: yeah. great. Yeah, and that's that's pretty cool because there really aren't too many bad West teams. There might be, like, two West teams that I'd say are bad. And that's a pretty good thing for the Nets. Obviously, they don't have to worry about the West until the finals. So it's not really, like, super important. Mm-hmm. But it's a nice confidence boost. And the East right now is underperforming to where the Nets have found themselves as the two seed with not being full strength the entire season. So I'm happy about that.
0: Yeah. Actually, Mike, while you're on the uh, subject of, um, you know, just how this season's going, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the modern NBA and then the percentage shooting?
1: Yeah, so I don't know about you guys, but I see a lot of, like, pictures on Instagram where it just shows, like, players, points per game, Google percentage, three-point percentage. I feel like every day it's a new player having some ridiculous percentage. So I looked at the Nets for this season just to get an idea about what we're talking about for this team. And we all know the superstar power of Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. But I'm looking at the other guys, and I'm looking specifically at three-point percentage. Joe Harris is almost at 50%. Jeff Green is at 43%. TLC, who we trash all the time, is even at 37%, which isn't great. But like, if you have a role player who can shoot 37% from three, that, that's not bad. Like you would. 37%
2: that is that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, Shamit's at 38%. Oh, no, sorry, three-point percentage. Shaman's at 35. Uh, Tyler Johnson's at 47. Not on a high volume, but still, 47%. So, like, these numbers are ridiculous. So I wanted to bring up some older role players from the maybe 2000s, just as a quick comparison. And I think most NBA fans would agree that Kyle Korver has kind of been, like, the gold standard of a three-point shooting role player. So I just wanted to, like, set the bar, like, the high bar, like, the peak with him. And in his, like, best seasons, in Kyle Corver's best season, he shot an insane, like, 54% from three. That's, like, ridiculous. Other seasons, he's, like, 47, 48, 49. So that's, like, the best. Then we have Mm -hmm. Bruce Bowen, who I think is an interesting player to look at because he was that 3 and D, like, corner shooting three-point guy. And when he got to the Spurs, his, like, best season was 44% from three.
0: So the Nets wow. have like
1: multiple guys who are at or above Bruce Bowen. And they're not guys that we consider to be championship caliber, like role players like Tyler Johnson. We just talked about him being like good recently. But you don't think of Tyler Johnson as that Bruce Bowen type of uh, knockdown open shot guy. So I also had Anthony Morrow up here to look at. Anthony Morrow was a, a oh, man, you know lesser legend on the nets for a couple of years
2: smoke out of the time machine on oh, what, what's that yeah.
1: <laughs> <Anthony Morrow? laughs> he was like a three-point specialist that's what he was yeah. there for and yes. he shot 42 percent from three on the nets one year
2: Dude, back then 42 percent for the nets was like unreal
1: yeah <laughs> that was, was like unreal. ridiculous yeah he had a couple seasons that were a little better than that with some other teams as well but just like on the nets that was his his main thing so not only are the role players coming out with these insane numbers, but stars are also. So I had Kobe, I had Melo, who we all know, two of the best scorers of all time. Their percentages are not what we're seeing in this modern NBA. They weren't shooting 50-40-90 the way oh, Steph no. Curry seems to be doing every year. And now we have Dame with these insane numbers and insane percentages. We have like Embiid and Jokic and all these guys. Like, What is happening with this league? And should we stop being shocked when we see posts with numbers like this? Or should we just accept this as, like, a new normal? Like, what do you guys, like, think about that?
0: So I mentioned this last time we talked about it, and I think the two things that really stick out to me is the uh, frequency of the games is just so – you know, there's so many games that it's impossible for these guys to get out of rhythm, especially the guys who are spot-up shooters. And shooting is, like, you know, that's the most important thing when it comes to rhythm is – just kind of staying in it so that you can make your shots on a regular basis. Guys like Dame Lillard, like, for example, last night he had a great game. The game before he had a great game. They were in two completely different cities, and he still played well. I think that has something to do with just consistency of play, the frequency that they play at. The second thing I think is also very um, obviously um, abundantly clear is that there is nothing to do. There is nothing going on outside in the world. So what? can you do but focus on your game every single guy has nothing to do but play basketball and if you have nothing to do but play basketball you're gonna get better at basketball that's just going to happen by like a, association you're gonna get better so I think that everyone this year is playing well for those two reasons I, may, I mean I bet there's a bunch of other reasons but truly when I think of and then like you know you got guys like there's no one in the you were, you were mentioning earlier Mike like there's no one in the in the stadium either really like there's very few people in the stadium. To distract them to get them off their game. There's got to. I think those the lack of distractions really is what adds to their high percentages. Uh, Rick, I, do you feel the same? Or uh,
2: I feel you're right in that it, it does help. I did read something in the bubble during the playoffs that um, because of the size of like the arena and like the lack of people that also like help the percentages a lot because of the depth perception. Um but I think I, I agree with Mike though too. I think I think he's right. Like this is the new normal and I think not only that, like it's just it's going to progressively even go up and get higher and higher in the percentages too. Like we're seeing like Lamello ball. I think like there's gonna be a lot more Lamello ball players in in the league like coming into the league in the upcoming years. Like just guys who can just chuck it from another zip code and it'd be nothing. And they, and they're hitting shots. And, um, I think a lot of the reason for that too, is, um, Curry's influence in the game has been huge too. But like, even like before Steph Curry was like a thing, like you guys know, even when we were like real little kids, like hitting the three was just cooler. It's, it's just threes are cooler. So I just think now, like from guys our age and younger growing up, like they want to shoot threes. Like it's not cool to like post up and like, make a hook shot. Like, nobody cares. It's not sexy. Threes are sexy. So guys, won't, they're hitting shots. And like you said, it doesn't really cost anything to grab a ball and take some shots. Like, you don't have to, like, rent court time, you know, or you can just go to the park and, and work on your shot. And um, so I, I think that the percentages are, they're up and they're going to stay like that. Like, I've said before, like like, Michael Jordan averaged, like, under 20% from three for, like, the first, like, five years of his career. And that's just because, like, the game wasn't like that. This wasn't the way the game was played. D. Wade has a career three-point percentage under 30%. That's a joke. But now, like, if you shoot, like, under 30% from three, you better be a center. And yeah, and cut. even and even then, if you are a center shooting under 30% from three, you better never shoot the three or you're going to get cut. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, like, um, back in the day, like, 33% probably give or take 33, 34% for a three point percentage was probably like the baseline average. Like you really want to be around there now. Like if you're under 40, like we we don't really want you, (laughs) you gotta, you have to shoot 40%. So, um, and, uh, if you shoot 40% from three and you play like average defense, you're going to have a spot. And uh, otherwise, like so many guys are doing this that if you can't shoot 40 plus percent and play like decent defense, we're going to find someone who can because there are guys who can do it. So it's going to be amazing too. I've heard – I don't I don't think this will ever happen, but also people never thought a three-point shot would ever happen. So I've heard talk of like a possible four-point shot. Josh, you've yeah. seen me make a
0: four-point shot Yeah, <laughs> four-pointers are yeah. legit. I mean would they be essentially like circles on the court that you have to individually shoot from like they did? I think it was in the – Oh, uh, it was in like the celebrity game. They had a four-point shot last yeah. year. Would it I, be like that, or what? Do you, what do you think? It would just be another line. Even I think it would record. just
2: be another line. I, 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 I think it would be like kind of annoying if you had to make it from like a specific spot. And I think it would kind of like hurt the game, honestly. It'd be like a little annoying, but I could see it being like another. I don't know, three to five feet past where it is now, and it, honestly, like I don't know how I'd react to it. It might seem kind of corny and stupid but I think if I watched it for a couple of years, maybe it'd be cool. I don't know.
1: No, so, I just have one more follow-up question about this topic for you guys. So the way that we now, like you can't compare a dunker like Zach Levine fairly to Dr. J, right? Everyone knows Dr. J like kind of invented dunking a basketball the cool way. Yeah. So when we talk about best dunkers, like you talk Dr. J, even though we've seen Zach Levine do things that Dr. J never did. You still give the props to Dr. J. Are we going to get to the point with these inflated numbers because of how the game has changed so much where we can't even fairly compare this era to even, like, 2005 basketball? Because it seems like every time we see these (laughs) 30-point averages, there's, like, four guys now who are hovering around 30 points per game. I think Allen Iverson, like, led the league one time with 30, and then everyone else after that was, like, 27, 28. It was, like, unheard of. So we yeah. love to talk in comparisons. We love to have the conversations comparing present and past players. Are those conversations going to become like irrelevant? Yeah,
0: yeah because I, I think they are. And I think it's because the way that people think about sports in general is that every year we become a little more analytical about it, right? Mm-hmm. And the three ball is just the right thing to do if you're looking at a game analytically. For two reasons, very clear reasons is that three points is more than two points. Mm -hmm. and you conserve energy by just spotting up and shooting as opposed to having to drive into the lane, drawing a foul, getting smacked around, jumping up and down, grabbing rebounds. That's a lot of energy you're using on your offense that you probably should preserve for defense or something else, some other part of the game. Maybe you can play an extra minute or two a night because you aren't running up and down the court as much. A guy like Dame Lillard, you watch the way he plays. He plays at his own pace the whole game. You know, he scores 43 points, Half of them are from behind the arc, and he can do it because he's such a good shooter. He can preserve himself a whole game. If he was, like, not hitting as many threes, if he was playing more like a traditional point guard would 10, 15, 20 years ago, and driving to the lane more and shooting, like, buckets on the inside, he'd be fucking winded. He'd be exhausted by the end of games, and he'd play really poorly at the end. And we're going to talk in a minute about clutch points. Clutch points would not be even half as good if he wasn't as composed still in those fourth quarters. So... I think just, like, looking at analytics, it's clear that the game can only go up from here in terms of, you know, the three ball and the percentages.
2: Yeah, absolutely, because analytics in basketball has become so successful and, like, mainstream that it's actually carried over in other sports, more specifically baseball, because you saw, like, in the World Series, the, the Rays took out Blake Snell just because of analytics, and they ended up losing, and, you know, looking back, that was stupid, but, um, yeah, analytics is, is a huge deal, it, just to your point with with analytics and three-point shots too like threes make sense too because the farther the shot the longer the rebound more typically so it's easier to get offensive rebounds if you're taking farther shots so that's just another reason to be taking three pointers um but mike to your point too like it's it's just like at this point like it's fun to like debate like you're sitting at a bar or bullshitting with your friends about like stat comparisons and stuff but like at this point it's kind of pointless it's just it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like you said, you have guys that are averaging like 30 plus, like all the time. Um, like I hate to bring up Russell Westbrook again, just cause I hate him, but like he averaged a triple double for an entire season. Like that's like prior to him doing it. That was like Oscar Robertson did it. No one was ever going to do it again. And now he does it like when he doesn't do it, it's like weird. So yeah, it's really hard to compare. And to your point too, with like the dunk contest, like for, for me personally, like the the Vince Carter like dunk contest is generally thought of as like the best dunk contest ever, but like now like looking it through the lens of now and like seeing it, it's kind of like lost its luster for me. Like it's in comparison today, I don't think it's really that great. Like putting your elbow in the rim like now is like it's that's like a six for a dunk, but like it was like a ten for him, and that's cool. But um yeah, it's guys are just so much better the the medicine, the health, the training, everything, like, it's, people are just built better, they're built different, the, everything is just at a higher level, so, yeah, number comparisons are, are are silly, You those are, you bring up number comparisons when you hate someone, you're like, this guy sucks, here's a number comparison. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, like, the, all the Jordan lovers are going to do the number comparisons forever. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm most worried about what the
1: next generation is going to think their best players are, or like, who they're going to say? Because when we lose LeBron in a few years, and as Durant gets older, like, what is it going to look like when someone's like, that's the best player in the league? Is it going to be because on paper they're averaging 30, 10, and 10 like Luca might do? Or is it going to be because they're out there winning championships, but maybe they're on a super team? Like, I'm actually, I don't know what's going to, the next five years of basketball, like, what what are the conversations going
2: to be? it it, I mean... It'll what probably be Luca, but I mean, it could be Lamelo. Like we could be looking at like Lamelo just as like this like.
0: Please like, stop talking about Lamelo. I'm not ready yet to accept that he's good. Okay. Can no, neither like am another, I. Neither am I because like, like, I said be like I, I don't like him. I'm
2: gonna I need more than good. that. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, no. Like I think it's you, you, it's a really interesting point that I never thought about. Is like what is the standard for? our basketball greatness going to be in the coming years like is it going to be like hey like somebody like Kawhi who maybe wins a couple championships but the numbers aren't sexy or is it going to be like Luka who's like near triple double and like has a shot that's soaking wet and like you can't guard him so yeah it's it is fun I don't know I LeBron will probably stick around for 10 more years so we might not have to think about it for a while <laughs>
0: Yeah, true. We might see, like, our first, like, 40-year-old to win, like, a, a NBA Finals and MVP at the same year or something. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: Uh, no, I mean, I, it's likely at this
0: point. Well, to end I'll, this— He'll uh, be, be still trying to make highlight reels at the end Yeah, of the game. oh, definitely, definitely. I really hope he doesn't go for it tonight. Anyway, <laughs> um, to talk more about a guy who's reinventing the game, we're going to talk about Dame Lillard. Now Dame Lillard was unfortunately snubbed for an All Star spot tonight. Uh, he went to Luca, who is an incredible player. But I personally believe the fact that he's been winning games without his second and third best players, been scoring 40 points or something a game, he's been hitting clutch points out the ass for the past like two weeks. Their team is like 18 and 10. I think he deserves it more than Luca, but okay, whatever. I want to talk about clutch points. Maybe this is where the stats will be in terms of like what people consider great in the coming in the coming years. Like what when we look at like the best players, what makes them uh maybe a, an iota above another guy is their amount of clutch points. So to define clutch points for everyone listening, clutch points are the points that a team scores within five minutes of the end of the game, and the team and the two teams are within five points of each other. So Damian Lillard, as everyone knows, has one of the best clutch shots in history in terms of the way he is able to keep composed, the way he's able to hit just dagger after dagger, night after night. This year, he is leading the league in clutch scoring with 82 points. He's shooting 24 of 38 from the field, 10 of 17 from three, and 24 of 24 from the free free throw line in those clutch point situations. Now, I know clutch is weird because if you were a better team, you would win easily and never need to play in the clutch. So you can always argue that if you have so many clutch points, it's because you're not playing good in the first, second, and third quarter. But at the same time, it's like superhero-like. It's the stuff of legends. It's the kind of stuff that you watch sports for, clutch points. You know, we're talking about that Suns game. It was so epic because of the clutch points. James Harden's clutch three. Oh so,
2: God, I'm still, I'm still hyped about that. <laughs> exactly. So I think I'm gonna grow a beard like him. Just, just I'm so pumped.
0: So, oh. I mean, guys, like, what are your thoughts on clutch points and and how that really maybe drives the narrative of the NBA today? It
2: seems to me like Damian Lillard is doing what we're accusing LeBron of doing and making mm-hmm.
0: the highlight. No. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Flag on the play. <laughs> I mean
2: there's more evidence for it, right? Hey, he's leading the he's league. He's got clutch. so many clutch points.
1: I have my argument ready for that then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to go go for it. I just I'm just messing with you. Yeah, okay. I know
1: you're I know you're messing with me. Damian Miller is playing with his second and third best players named Ennis Cantor and like Gary Trent Jr.
2: <laughs>
1: That's I'm sorry. No.
2: <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're right. And uh yeah, Dame Dame's just a walking bucket. Like he's he's unreal. And I think, I mean, other than I think maybe like Steph, I, honestly, or, or maybe over Steph, like there aren't many guys you want like taking your final shot than Damian Lillard. And um, so maybe maybe I'm like the uh, the the Woj bomb guy of the podcast tonight because I got an alert as to why Dame Lillard didn't make the. All-star game starters. Do you want to do you want to hear this?
0: Yeah. Please tell us.
2: Okay, tell so there us. are there are um a couple categories for making like the All-Star team or at least as a starter. It's the fan vote, it is the coaches vote and the player vote. Nope, fan vote, player vote, media vote. Um so Luca got second place in the fan vote. Right. And Damian Lillard got third place in the fan vote. But in the player vote and the media vote, Damian Lillard got second over Luka in both of those categories. But I guess the fan vote is weighted so heavily in comparison to those other two that really Luka got the nod over Dame strictly because of the fan vote, not really because of other reasons. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, I mean, it's not the worst because Luka's numbers are also kind of like a joke with how good yeah. they are so yeah. but uh yeah dame it's always dame time i mean i just checked my, my watch right now It just said dame time
1: <laughs> so i want to add something to this that might be a hot take or might not be i oh, ar- awesome. i might argue that dame Lillard deserves it over curry also <coughs> with these numbers like look at here's my here's my arguments i have support uh curry's numbers are slightly better in a couple categories i'll give him that dame has a better team record and look at their supporting casts, and tell me who you would rather have right now. Would you rather have Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and Kelly Oubre, or Anis Cantor, Mello, and Gary Trent? Who do you think's the better supporting cast out of those?
2: Oh, it is. E- it's easily the Golden State. It's yeah, easily. So, like, like to to say like Hoodie Mello is like you're your like go guy. He's been God. playing
1: great lately. He, he has Hoodie been playing Mello. great, but yeah. I think Lillard has just elevated his team slightly higher then they should be in comparison to where the Warriors are. Like I think the Warriors have some talent. Like, oh, absolutely. They're not, they're not a bad team anymore with how Oubre and uh, Wiggins have come on. Draymond's a leader, so he takes a huge burden off of Curry. Curry can kind of just do his thing, lead in his way, but Draymond mm-hmm. is the actual like emotional and vocal leader of that team. Yeah. Dame does everything for the Blazers. He is everything that they are. He's responsible for all of their wins, and... Like, I know he's not going to get the fan vote over Curry because Curry's, like, the, you know, baby Jesus of the league. And Doncic is going to get fan vote because of the international vote. So, like, mm. it's understandable. I get it. Yeah. But I'm I'm upset about this. I think Yeah. this is a pretty bad snub for me, that Lillard could potentially be having an MVP-type season and is not a starter in the All-Star game. I think that's a, a huge shame. And I saw Stephen A. Smith went on TV and had, like, this huge, like, soliloquy of, like apologizing to Damon. I think we all need to do that. <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that we haven't been appreciating what he is um, for the last few years.
2: Yeah. I saw Curry got uh first place in the fan vote player vote and the media vote. So um, that, that wasn't it. really a surprise, but I yeah, it I, it's a, it's a little disappointing though, when you're Dame and you get um, a higher vote total amongst the media and the players, which you would think would mean more than yeah. a fan vote. And he only loses the fan vote to Luca and doesn't get the nod. So I'm curious, too. I don't know if anybody wants to look this up or if they know it off the top of their head. Because we know Damian Lillard has made uh, his fair share of uh, All-Star games. But has he ever started?
1: Not that I can think of
0: in recent years. Uh, I don't, don't know. I I I really don't know. Again, I don't really watch the All-Star game often. I just look at the selections. I wonder if he has. He might have started one or two years. Um, but West
1: guards have always been stacked. I I know last year Curry was out, but I, you know, I didn't watch last year's. All-Star for game for
0: though. years, like you know, for years you had like four Warriors in the All Star game. <laughs> yeah. So like, come on, is there any room for a guy like Damien when you have the KD, Steph, Clay Warriors on there? I don't know. Now, um, one other All Star I want to talk about. Well two others actually really quickly going to mention Kyrie Irving is an All-Star starter and Kevin Durant is the fucking captain. He hasn't even played, he's played 5 games in the last 11 games for the Nets and he's the captain of the All-Stars. Somehow a captain, I guess it's because he's the oldest player on the, the All-Star stars, right? He's like the no, he's, he's like the he's veteran,
1: a, the highest vote getter.
0: The, the highest vote getter. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But I want to also talk about Zion Now, Zion has been turning it on. I know we were a little down on Zion in the beginning of the season because he doesn't play defense, he doesn't get rebounds. For his size, he should be getting at least 10 rebounds a game. I listened to a podcast, Bill Simmons talked to, Charles Barkley, and Charles said this exactly. He said, for a guy his size, everyone's been comparing him to me, but he's not like me because he doesn't play effective defense. He doesn't get good rebounds. And sure, he doesn't. But his offensive performances and his offensive percentages – Dude doesn't miss shots either. Like, he is shooting, what, 60% or something crazy? Almost 62, yeah. Unreal. So, Zion Williamson, probably going to be in Atlanta on March 7th. And this will be his first of, I would say, many. He's got to be in the all-star conversation, at least for the next 10 years, if he's going to keep performing offensively like this. It's interesting watching that Pelicans team. I watched the game last night against the Blazers. I don't know if you've noticed like how they play their best when he's actually at the top of the key and he drives in as opposed to like posting up and being like a big man. He plays much better like kind of driving as as a wing, which is really wild. And I know that the history is that he was like a point guard when he was younger and then he got really big. So he stopped playing point. He plays better when he plays like a point or plays like a wing and I wonder if um, maybe people on the Pelicans are noticing this and are going to try to change up some uh, some some lineups for him, maybe.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me, because if he's driving from that far away, no one is stepping in, in his way. <sighs> the same thing with LeBron. The, like LeBron gets to the rim, because if you do get in his way, he spins around you, and Zion has that move. I've seen it, where if you are going to maybe put your body on the line, he'll play off of it, and he'll make the right decision, but nine times out of ten, a guy is not going to step in his way. And if even if you're kind of guarding him, all it takes is one little shoulder and he's at the rim for a layup. Because he's he jumps so high and he stays in the air for so long that even when he doesn't dunk it, he's going in for a layup and he, he's just so effective around the rim. So, yeah, I think you're right. It makes sense if he starts with the ball. Give him a head of steam. Good luck stopping that. I'm not, I'm not stepping in front of that. I would literally die.
2: I'd rather be hit by a truck. So, yeah. same. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I hope to see that more from Zion, but I'm just going to do a pre-congratulations to him on his first trip to the All-Star game. If he doesn't get it, I'd be shocked, just for media reasons also. Um, I'm, I think on Monday, uh, we'll, we'll, we might have a, a pod where we talk about you know who the rest of the uh, All-Stars will be, or are we going to already know by then?
1: I don't imagine
2: we, we would uh, it, it, I'm it not would sure. I think there's a separate selection show.
0: Yeah, I think, I think there might be. So we'll have to look and find out when that is. But if there isn't one on Monday, we will definitely talk about who we think will make the team, the other guys. I know in the East it's pretty easy to pick, but in the West it's a little more complicated. There's a lot of good players who might get snubbed in the West. Okay, thank you so much for listening to The Best Isn't It to Come. Hopefully... You will see us on Monday in the Nets. We'll have beaten the Lakers, but we are going to go watch that game now. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Send us more memes of Mike and Buddy Heald. We love them. Or any player, really. Uh, If you want to send me memes with uh, Damian Lillard or Rick with LaMelo Ball or Rick with Bobby Boucher, Chris Boucher. I think that's a good comp, actually. Yeah, Rick and Chris Boucher. That would be our meme for – next episode send us memes of chris chris boucher and richard chuba together thanks so much for listening to the best is net to come see you on tuesday